0: Hello and welcome back to the Customers Who Click podcast. This week, we've got another really interesting topic as we explore voucher fraud and the problems caused by certain Chrome extensions that find codes for customers. With me today, I've got Matt Gillis, the founder of clean.io, who is working to protect merchants from these uh, extensions. From a customer point of view, these extensions are fantastic as you, you no longer need to go searching for discount codes. If there's one available, it's probably in the plugin and therefore it'll get applied at checkout. But from a business point of view, there are multiple downsides. And I'll let Matt explain that now. Hi, Matt. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. If you could tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background, and uh, and why why you're up to uh, what you're doing at the moment.
1: Hey, Will. First off, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here and, and excited to share our story at Clean.io with your listeners. My name is Matt Gillis, I'm the CEO of Clean.io. Uh, you know, career-wise, I'm a, I'm a journeyman uh, in mobile, been in mobile my whole career, you know, through mobile video games and working at wireless carriers and working in the ads business. So, been doing this a long time, uh, but I've been the CEO of Clean.io for uh, two years now. Um, our company is a, a three-year-old cybersecurity company. Uh, we we kind of package ourselves as a digital engagement security platform. We really help websites Protect the user experience and protect their revenue. And um, you know, I, I said that I came from the ads business, uh, and, and that's where I was prior to here. And and you know, the the first problem that our company went out and solved was this problem called malvertising. And I'm sure it's happened to you, Will, because it's kind of happened to everybody that I know. Where you're on a website, and all of a sudden you're scrolling, and 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 your screen gets taken over, and it you know, takes you to a landing page that says, congratulations, you've won a Amazon gift card or congratulations, Vodafone user, you're the 8,000th person you've won this prize. And so a lot of kind of misleading and that sort of uh, thing. And, um, and so we actually went out to solve that problem. Um, you know, that problem manifests itself with bad actors who are using the ads ecosystem to inject code onto websites. Most of our customers are publishers or platforms in the ad tech ecosystem. So, probably many of the sites that you would go to on a daily basis are code runs. uh, And we protect the user experience and revenue because when uh, sites are under attack from those sort of nefarious behaviors, it's really disruptive to the user experience. Users can't get back to what they were consuming. Um, it destroys ad revenue. Um, so that, that single thing that publishers rely on to make their money. Uh, and, and lo and behold, it obviously gives a pretty uh, bad taste in users' mouths and kind of hurts the reputation of the site. So we've been doing that since day one here. And um, you know I, I'm excited to, to, to fill you in on this new product that we're coming out with uh, now uh, called Clean Cart.
0: Well, Which, just um, so just just before you go into that, uh, yeah. just on the, the advertising. Yeah, you you mentioned the one that I, I think everyone's probably seen. I've I've seen that a lot. You're a winner. Yeah, hi. They've somehow detected the network as well as so they yes. Hi, three mobile user. Blah blah blah. Uh, the one I came across quite recently actually was uh, this advert automatically added a calendar to my phone. I don't know how yeah. it did it. Don't know how that works, but it added a calendar to my phone, um, I which then had—I think it was about ten notifications or ten like events, mm-hmm. like pre-installed, ready to go over the next hour or two. Literally, just saying you need to do this, like click this link, go and do this. It's and pretty it, intrusive, right? There was no—I mean, there was no messaging around. You know, we've hacked your phone. Uh, do this, otherwise, this will happen. It, it was just annoying. <laughs> just. Just the most annoying thing. And, and I had to go and look up how to remove a calendar because actually it's not too easy on the iPhone.
1: Well, and I think the thing is, is that the the, the bad actors, uh, you know, they're, they're actually quite sophisticated and, then, and they've out-innovated most in the industry. You know, they're like, if you think about it, a normal advertiser, like a good guy who's advertising and buying ads on websites, you know, they hope for a, you know, half a percent click-through rate. That would be really good. And these bad actors have figured out through technology, they figured out how to actually buy an ad for that same price, but actually generate a 100% click-through rate. They know how to, once that ad renders on the device, start to fingerprint, unpack JavaScript, start executing code, um, and do all these nefarious things that take you away from the thing that you were doing. And so you know, it's uh, you know, what we really do, we, we, we have this mantra that we believe that like you own your website, you should be able to control the code that executes on your website. And, you know, in the ad world, right. So think of like the, your favorite news site or where you go to read your entertainment. You know, I'm sure you're into the Hollywood gossip. Well, like um, we believe that you should be able to protect your user experience if you own that site. And there's a whole bunch of code that comes to your website that you don't own or control specifically the ads. And so that's what we do. We've kind of like, I would say that we've, you know, really found product market fit. Uh, we protect, I think, like somewhere in the neighborhood of seven or 8 million sites per month uh, that have our code that executes on their website at runtime to protect the user experience and revenue. Um, so pretty mature business. And and the problem is, you know, always iterating, right? Like, as you said, you know, the, the one that you had, they installed a calendar invite uh, where it, you know, creates pop up and notifications, hopefully getting you to then click that, in other cases, it's just that simple, annoying redirect that says you've won something or, or you have viruses on your phone, click here and we'll get rid of them for you. And it launches you into the app store to download some shady app. So yeah, the, 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 the behaviors are all generally profit driven. They're looking to, you know, create a, an event that they can actually make money on or bill you for. Usually they're trying to capture your PII. So they're looking to get your email address or something, uh, in the process. And, uh, you know, I think for these bad actors, the why is that, like, I'm sure it's very profitable. You know, they can buy ads at a very low price and get 100% click-through rate. And uh, if you just get one email address, you know, there's probably a, a bounty of what an email address is worth. And, uh, you know, you and I probably aren't going to fall for this sort of thing. But, you know, there's a lot of people that do every single day. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a whole bunch of emails in your inbox that say, uh, your Netflix billing has ended. Click here to change your Netflix payment information. Right? People click on those things, even though it's very apparent, uh, generally because the email URL doesn't come from Netflix, but like people fall for this sort of stuff, this sort of phishing every day. And so, so, yeah, so that's the business that we built on that side. And we kind of learned a lot about protecting websites from malicious JavaScript. And what we found was that there's a lot of e-commerce sites where same sort of problem where there's code that executes on their site that they don't own, that they don't control, that are impacting user experiences and revenue. Hence, you know, our product called Clean Cart.
0: All right. Sounds interesting. Well, let's, let's talk about that a bit more then, because uh, I mean, I immediately started thinking of um, extensions that do like automation on, mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and things like that. Which uh, some some get blocked, some don't. I think LinkedIn's quite happy to leave some running. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's talk about clean cart then.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, in the in the ads world, obviously, like the bad actors are you know folks that we don't know. They probably live in their parents' basement in some foreign country, and you know they're you know m- malicious and and looking to disrupt and and create profit motives. Um, in the e-commerce world, kind of what we started to notice where there were a lot of um, you know. I wouldn't say necessarily malicious sort of activity. Like, you know, if you think about it, it's, you know, uh, but it's more untrusted. So one of the areas where we went to really focus on, if you've heard of this, you know, this company Honey or this company Wikibuy, Honey was acquired by PayPal for four and a half billion dollars. Um, Wikibuy was acquired by Capital One. They've now rebranded and they're called Capital One Shopping. And, and these two companies, and there's, there's a whole bunch of others. Um, what they do is, is they, uh, or Chrome extensions or Firefox or Safari extensions on your PCs. And when you're at checkout, um, ready to buy a product on an e-commerce site, generally speaking, these little widgets will pop up and say, you know, Hey, will guess what? We've got a coupon for you that we think can save you some money. Would you like us to add it? And, you know, obviously you being cost conscious and wanting to save money. You're like, sure, I'll click that link. Uh, and, uh, lo and behold, honey starts to add coupons to your cart and you may save 20 or 30% or maybe even upwards of 50%. Um, the reality is these coupon extensions are having significant, uh, you know, disruption for merchants, for their margins, for their revenue. Right. So like, obviously if like, if you had a hundred dollar cart and honey pops up and saves you 20%, the merchants lost $20 right there. Um, there's affiliate abuse that comes with this. There's, you know, attribution challenges for merchants. And, and I think like the one thing that's hard to quantify is like the time and energy spent with like the teams that are trying to do these discounting strategies or create these promotional codes and shut them down and kind of chase your tail. When, you know, when one of your codes gets leaked to honey or wiki and all of a sudden all of your orders are getting massive discounts. So, you know, it's a, uh, the the the, uh, the problem is is actually quite widespread, and and I think it's only going to get worse when you think of who the parent companies that are investing in these businesses, like PayPal, right? Um, you know, they're they're putting a lot of money behind it. Here in the United States, where I live, um, you know, uh, Capital One Shopping, which is you know formerly known as WikiBuy, they have commercials on TV telling users with Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta go get. Capital One Shopping so that you can save money. So, you know, their interests are really in, you know, driving prices down and, you know, creating this disruption for merchants when it's not really driving incremental net new sales.
0: Yeah, I think think we've had Honey adverts here. Well, I'm sure I've seen Honey adverts on TV. I
1: mean, I've seen them on Twitter. I've seen them on Facebook. Like, they're advertising on all the social media platforms and really just trying to drive net new users. Totally. I I suppose
0: part of the reason i'm not too sure about honey but i guess for capital one one of the incentives is if they can improve conversion rates by a high enough amount to uh, offset the the discount they are earning more money through the transaction fees
1: yeah i think it's a little bit of everything you know like it, people try to understand motives right and and i think it's you know, it's obviously like you know payments processing. It's you know in the case of PayPal, like they're trying to drive penetration of their digital wallet. Um, I think that there's a pretty significant data aspect to this, which is really understanding compu- consumer behaviors and and buying habits and and all of that sort of stuff and getting smarter. Because if you think about it, Honey, I think they state publicly that they're on. They've got 17 million uh, users. Um, so, you know, like that's a pretty good sample size of of purchase behavior and, and, and understanding what's happening in the ecosystem. And, you know, and then again, you go back to the profit motive, um, you know, nobody's really doing this for free. Um, you know, I'll see a lot of times where like, even when honey pops up, sometimes it's a honey code where it actually says honey in the code, which my gut says honey is somehow convinced the merchant that they're adding value in the process. So the merchant has partnered with honey, but in many other cases, there's just some wacky nondescript code, which you know is someone's affiliate code that got, you know, swapped up. And so now the merchant not only is giving a discount of which they didn't intend to give to that particular user, but they're also paying affiliate fees on top of that. So, you know, I think there, it's just, it's one of those things. I think we're in the early stages of this and it's come up pretty quickly, but you know, for us, um, you know, we've, uh, It's exciting. We were, you know, we were in closed beta with, uh, you know, 20 different merchants who are actually using our software and, you know, we're blocking these extensions in real time and saving money and learning a lot more about, you know, purchase behaviors and uh, revenue reductions and what it's costing them and what the ROI is.
0: I mean, I, so I used to work in affiliates uh, quite a few years ago, so I don't know how much has changed, but I imagine the, the way I see it working is if, if honey did basically steal a code from somewhere else, the The merchant who was given, sorry, the affiliate who was given the code wouldn't get paid because people aren't clicking through their affiliate link, which is where the tracking works. And then what you'd probably do is you'd, as long as you're paying attention, you would look through the affiliate sales and you would just reject all of Honey's uh, affiliate revenue commission and so you'd say so that that's not your code. You're not you. You don't get commission on that because it states in our terms and conditions you only get commission off the sales we agree with you that you're allowed.
1: So there's, I mean, listen, you, you have a, a much deeper history on that side of the business than I do. Obviously I come from, you know, the, the mobile and the ad, you know, tech side of the world. Um, you know, I think when we talk to merchants, I don't think it's as simple as what you're saying, because I think merchants are using multiple, uh, channels to, to, to drive sales and and they're using promo codes to, you know, and discounting strategies to drive revenue. Um, you know, one of the big channels folks are using are things like social media influencers or podcasts. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that, that only applies to one set of affiliates who use tracking links because, you know, they're a voucher website or they're a comparison You're right. website. You're right. As soon, as soon as you get into the more complex uh, area of, you know, uh, like we were talking about before um, before the podcast, you know, uh, uh, well, podcast advertising, the only yeah, way to I do mean, it is to give out a code.
1: Well, exactly, and so think about this. Like, so you know, obviously, we, we're we're talking to tons of merchants, and and like the pain point is super acute. The reason I know that is, like, we've already got people calling us for this product, and we really haven't done any marketing for it. And so there's just a lot of word of mouth happening of like how acute the pain point is, and and everyone's looking for a solution. Um, basically. Yeah. Ah, uh, one of the folks that came in through our inbound channel this morning, uh, wanting to partner with us, said that they've been trying to solve this problem for the last two years on their own. That's awesome. Like to me, that that gets me excited, knowing that we've really, you know, hit a hit a big pain point that we're going to actually go out and help people solve. But, you know, when you go back to like the social media influencers or the podcasts or whatnot, you're giving like you're you're having someone read a code, or you're having someone in there, you know, reach out to their, you know, million followers on Instagram and say, hey, like I've partnered with this company and use the code you know, uh, summer 25 and you'll get that discount. Well, folks are totally losing control because they're seeing Honey pick up those codes because Honey's going to automatically add the biggest discount that they can for the end user. And my gut says that Honey is somehow working with some of these folks through other channels to get paid. Like, I don't think Honey's doing this as a, as a total service to end users to not get paid. So there are ways in which you know, affiliates, uh, whether, you know, it's the the affiliates in the world that you're talking or, you know, affiliates that kind of rebroker and try and figure out how to drive more sales. The merchants are paying for these sales somehow. Yeah, I, right? I think,
0: I, I imagine part of what it is, is Honey wants to get every single user it can on. And if it means it gets paid for one in every hundred transactions that it generates a code for, it's happy with that because it's got, well, currently 17 million people. You got it. And if, you know, it's it's a it's a volume game for them. Well, and they're, I, I, they're I was on optimizing, their
1: website. They're optimizing for user discount. My gut says yeah. they're optimizing, like if, if you know, if, I would Im- imagine that their algorithm is like, hey, we're gonna give the biggest discount that we have available. And if we have two of the same biggest discounts available, because often merchants will do a whole bunch of 10% off or 15% off codes they're going to then apply the code, tie goes to the runner. That's a baseball analogy in the US, right? So honey is going to apply the code that they get paid on versus the one that they don't get paid on. I don't think it's paying right? So, but you're right. I think they optimize for making sure that the user has the best experience so that they'll go and tell their friends. And uh, listen, I, I saw over the holidays, I actually saw people in my Facebook feed like marketing honey to their friends saying like, you need to go and get this. I saved a ton of money over the break. So, you know, I think they're, uh, they're on to something, but I, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, I, I'm seeing a lot of tissue rejection with merchants around the world.
0: Well, they do, um, they have their, I haven't looked into it too much, but honey, honey gold or something. So you get rewarded for when you successfully use honey on a website. Totally. So even if you're not getting a, well, so you're getting the financial discount, um, honey might not be getting paid on that. But they're rewarding you further to make you happier and more engaged, which makes you then talk to your friends about it. So their cost of acquisition is probably tiny. It
1: well, probably, and that, it, it probably that creates takes one loyalty commission. with honey, right? That, yeah. So like the, the Honey Gold is, is a loyalty program for honey and a cashback program for use of honey, but that does not create brand loyalty with the, the merchant, right? No, that, no, definitely that, not. That's where the merchants are getting disintermediated from their customer relationships.
0: Yeah. And I imagine it, it probably takes one commissioned sale to to pay for the acquisition of a user.
1: You're you're probably right.
0: I, I think I reckon there because I I know. So I, and again, this was years ago when I was in affiliates. We ran um, uh, incentive ads. So was it incentive ads? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. They, um, I
1: think they call them rewarded. Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you would you'd be in a game. You'd you'd lose the game, but because this ad would pop up and say download this app and we'll give you an extra life yep whatever we had amazing success with those ads contrary to what you know all the all the data said because our app was just one of those apps that when people downloaded it and looked at it they went oh actually this could be quite useful and it's just like honey you know it was a voucher website we, we didn't have the chrome extension and things like that but essentially it was when you go shopping open this app up have a look and you might get a discount like it's, it's free to use completely free for the user. So that's why it worked really well for us. And I imagine it's, it's kind of a similar thing for them. Like friends will tell friends about it. They'll download it, have a look and go, yeah, cool. They might forget about it, but once it's in Chrome, it's done its job.
1: Exactly. Right. Yeah. I think it's funny. You've been in the business a long time, obviously. So you know this world and in mobile uh, in the early days of mobile advertising, the, the word, uh, you know, incentivized was, was like a dirty word, right? It was like the, ooh, you know, those, that, that's, not, that's not valuable to me. But then somebody repackaged it and called it rewarded. And rewarded became actually like a pretty important currency in the mobile ecosystem, specifically rewarded video. Meaning, hey, if you're playing Candy Crush and you run out of lives, watch this TV commercial and we'll give you an extra life. Yeah. And it, like the, the math worked out where there was that exchange of value where everybody felt good about it. Like how else were some of these, you know, TV commercials, like people's viewing habits of change, like how do you actually own their attention? And there's a value to owning that attention. And so I think the repackaging of it from incentivized to rewarded uh, was a pretty big change and and it made it actually a, a great way for you to actually get views and complete views, right? Because completed views was a, a big metric that advertisers were concerned about. No better way to get completed views than rewarded video, uh, you know, in an inter, in, a, in a interstitial with Candy Crush.
0: Although arguably the engagement's not too great. You can just put your phone down and, and let the ad run, which is sure.
1: But what what's the what's the what's the engagement on YouTube when someone hits the skip button after four seconds, right? Like it's you know, like you yeah, you, you have their captive attention theoretically. Um so you know, anyways, it's uh, everyone's trying to drive that behavior. And right. And they want track, like they want it to be able to track it and, and attribute it to the right, uh, you know, the, to the right vehicles so that they know where to spend their marketing dollars.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Are there any kind of misconceptions then about, about these coupon extensions from a brand point of view? Cause I think, I think you mentioned, um, you, well, yeah, you said somehow honey, if, honey's probably convinced some of these merchants to pay them. Um, You're right.
1: You're right. I think there's a couple different camps, right? So I think you know, in in the folks that are reaching out to us and partnering with us, it's very apparent um, that the merchants uh, that we're talking to, for the most part, have adversarial relationships and have a negative opinion of what's happening. Um, and and I think most of those folks, I would say that they're very savvy in data, like. They, uh, you know, they, when, when something looks odd, they question it and they understand, you know, attribution, even like I've seen emails. I mean, I I also tell folks like, let's not forget we're consumers too. I've had brands send me a promo code and in the email say, Hey, make sure you use it quickly because honey is stealing our coupons and we're going to have to shut it down very soon. So like there is this adversarial relationship on one side of the coin where I think folks, um, detest it and they want control of their margins. They want control of their user experience and their revenue. I would think um, on the other hand, I think there are folks that, um, you know, kind of the, the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't like, I think they're kind of like, Hey, like give it a try. Let's partner. Let's see what's there. And I've had some of that reaction from some folks where, you know, they, they feel like it could be incremental or, um, it could be improving their conversion rates um, but they really don't have the data to substantiate it um, but you know their gut says let's give it a try so I think there's like there are two different uh, two different sides uh, to the equation and you know I think the 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 more that we get into data with people to really understand underneath you know the hood what's going on um, and we can quantify and and show them the benefits um, even better so I think that's you know really where where we where we see a benefit here,
0: I kind of talked about uh, auto applying discounts before. It's, it's one one thing I'm a bit a bit of a fan of because one issue with having discount or promo code boxes on a website is that people see them and potentially people go and look for those codes. Mm-hmm. So one thing I've talked about before is: well, if there's a code available, if it's widely available to people, apply it anyway. So if you have a ten percent off for new customers code when someone gets the checkout, just give it to them, just apply it, put it in a dropdown, whatever, just let them use it. But obviously don't, you don't have to do that for, you know, uh, uh, affiliate codes, influencer codes, podcast codes, and things like that. Um, do you think, you know, you can maybe do, give people a different experience um, to people who use these extensions or try to use these extensions if, if the extension is trying to offer them a code they're not supposed to have,
1: yeah, it's interesting. We um, obviously talking to lots of merchants, we hear and see you know a whole whole magnitude of strategies that folks are using. The the one that you often see is that you know at the at the header of a website it'll say like first time users, you know, give us your email address and you'll get ten percent off, right? Which like to me everybody sees that, not everybody types that in or not everybody goes to that box or sometimes they'll even actually be as overt as saying like, you know, putting the code in the header of the website, like first 10, apply first 10 at checkout and you'll get this. Um, And so I've seen that. I've seen people auto apply a discount. Um, You know, I've heard merchants say like, listen, if we were to segment the people that have one of these browser extensions, can we just give them Can we override and can we just give them a super low uh, discount just to like, so that we don't mess with their, you know, their mindset through the, you know, through that sale process. Um, So I I don't think there's any silver bullet here, Will. I think it's like, you know, really trying to be thoughtful with data, I think is like the the key thing, right? The more that you can make data-driven decisions, the better. I think we live in these seas of data. Um, but I think that even in then there's like a lack of actionable data. And I've talked to a lot of merchants about like, how do you judge incrementality? And most, like many don't have the answer and that's really why they're marketing, right? They're trying to drive incremental sales. And so I think there's a lot to be learned and, and, uh, you know, we're in the early stages of this thing. And I think it's like, it's super exciting because I think every day we're kind of uncovering a net new use case and net new behavior, you know, whether it's people using them in podcasts or like one of the things that we've come across recently is like, uh, you know, obviously because of COVID people are giving discounts to first responders. Well, like it, it breaks my heart when I see honey apply a first responder 25 code, because for me, I'm not a first responder. Why should I be getting a first responder 25 code? And why should honey be the arbiter in saying I deserve that? It's almost like a military code, right? It's an honor to be ex-military, no one deserves those discounts except military. So I think there's a whole bunch of, uh, you know, whole bunch that we're uncovering and, and finding with this ecosystem that, um, you know, strikes me that there's, uh, there's big pain points. Margins are super thin and anything that we can do to give that control back to merchants, I think the better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I do. I, I do agree with you on that. Um there are code there are codes out there that are specifically generated for a certain group of people who for some reason have have been given it um for mm-hmm. example i think lo- loads of stuff happened here uh, last year for the NHS yeah. um and probably not just the NHS actually um but they got you know there, there was a lot of obviously praise for them for what they were doing you wouldn't go into a store with a like a fake NHs card and try and, and try and claim the discount would you
1: I mean, if you didn't have a if, if you didn't you're have integrity, ahead. if you didn't have integrity and a conscience, you 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 wouldn't. You're right. You're right. And you know, like, it, 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 it's funny. You're, you're like you know, I'll give you another example. By the way, I've got about a hundred examples of how merchants have you know really felt this damage. Uh, you know, one uh, one merchant that I was speaking with, uh, they did about fifteen million in sales a year online. Right. So like I would say like you know, good sized business. So call it like you know. You know, fifteen million bucks. They're doing about a you know million, million and a half a month in revenue. Um, They sponsored a basketball team here, and they they came up with a promotional code that was only going to be used for that basketball team during their broadcasts in a crawl along the TV screen. And so the code was magic. They sponsored the Orlando Magic. The crawl on the broadcast said, you know, use code magic at at checkout and you'll save thirty percent. Well they were excited to see that the use of that code was really high. And like the reality is the Orlando magic does not have that big of a basketball audience. And so when they actually did the math in the month of August of last year, this is when I was talking to them. um, They lost $150,000 in like discounts to promo codes so about 10% of their overall revenue. And that code was $100,000 of that $150,000. So you know, of the 10% that they were losing, about 6 or 7% was coming from that one code. And when they blocked that code, two 25% off coupons immediately shot up. And so... Like that's to me where like, if you're a merchant and you're not in the weeds on your promotions and really understanding like, like what the codes are and how often they're being used and where the originations coming from, like you're just giving away money. And so I think there's like, there's a ton to be learned. And I, I talk about this sea of data yet. There's a lack of data. I think there's a lack of actionable data to really give confidence to merchants of like how to conduct efficient promotional strategies.
0: Yeah, I suppose part of it is, um, and it's, it's a topic that comes up again and again, uh, which is <laughs> quite annoying actually, but t- teams get siloed. Uh, that that data and feedback is not, it's not really making its way around the business. So, you know, for example, a PPC team will like just see that, you know, they've, they've had X number of conversions. Their code has been used X number of times. The Facebook team will do the same. Uh, but then that's, that's their view on it, and that's and that's that alone. They don't really care about other numbers. so the, the, there'll be someone, you know, I, I don't know in the finance team or wherever who looks at those numbers and goes, "Well, hang on a minute, between the two of you, you've generated hundred and fifty percent of the sales that should be there. yeah, because there's crossover because that code that code is, uh, is has gone somewhere like honey. and I think I think that's a big problem and until you get that person in the middle, who actually does that analysis? You, you will miss it, and I, and I think that's missing in a lot of businesses. You know, I, I, think I don't think right. I, I don't think I've worked in a business where that would be, that would have been picked up.
1: Well, and I think you're you're right, and it, it, it really comes down to like you you want to believe the data too, right? Like, I mean, if you're a marketer, you want to believe that like the work that you're doing every day is actually working, and so you know, in some cases, I'm not saying anyone's doing anything, uh, you know, malicious here on the marketer side, but like, I don't know if you're spending money and you're driving campaigns and you've got promo codes being, uh, you know, uh, used like that somewhat validates the effectiveness of your campaign. And I think it was Procter & Gamble that I think two years ago, I think they pulled $200,000 out of their digital spend and they did not see sales change right? So like, I think in some cases, there's going to be a lot of like AB testing and really understanding, you know, that, you know, call it that organic versus incremental, like what would have happened anyway? Okay. Now what happened as a direct result of this marketing? And that's, that's where I think it's, it's really challenging to, to, you know, to show that ROI. And, you know, yet when, you know, when you see you know, if you've got, uh, you know, 20 promo codes and you've got one that's doing 90% of your volume and it just happens to be that one that's the highest value one um, and it skyrockets up the day after you did it and you didn't have a big marketing campaign around it, you probably should like think deeply. And, you know, I, I also tell a lot of folks, like if you're in this business, like we're all consumers, download these tools, put them on your computer, understand the user behavior, really walk that customer journey to see what's happening out there. Um, and I think so, in some cases, you'd probably be shocked of what like of what actually happens. So, yeah, yeah, I think there's there's just a ton to learn, Will. Like, I really think it's, you know, it's been happening for a long time, um, but I still think we're in the early days of really getting clarity for marketers so that they really understand, you know, the incrementality and, and when they should be paying for things and when they shouldn't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think one of the other issues is probably that, when things are going well, people don't investigate. Because, You're spot on. Because why would you investigate if, if everything's going, going well? Mm-hmm. If, if right. everything's going as expected, uh, you know, why waste your time investigating it when you could be working on the next thing?
1: Well, and by the way, if it proves something otherwise, then you were doing an amazing job, there's probably risk to your job security, right? Like of like, wow, do they really need me?
0: no one wants to report a successful campaign and then a bit later go, well, actually I looked into this and I was wrong. (laughs) It's it's not being driven by us. But,
1: but I I mean, I think the thing, the thing, the, the way that we look at this is like, there's so many reasons why our product makes sense for merchants that are feeling the pain from honey. Obviously your revenue is being reduced, right? So like there's, there's no other way to grow your, like your revenue without growing your sales. Like You don't need to sell more product and you can make more money, right? So like, that's great. That will give you more budget to actually be able to go out and buy net new incremental sales, like net new customers. And so like, there's very few ways in which you can protect your margins, protect your revenue, protect your user experience, and like, and then stop paying, you know, incrementally for this affiliate abuse that's happening, like all of that. Like, this is why I think in many cases, the folks that we're talking to are like the chief marketing officers at these companies. They're excited about it because, wow, we're going to give them a source of truth and actually give them some of their money back so that they can then go out and really focus on driving incremental when what they kind of had was a bit of a leak in the boat um, where, you know, they're just paying for stuff that really isn't driving net new incremental.
0: So apart from obviously using a tool like, uh, like CleanCut, what can brands do to mitigate the use of uh, of, the, of these sort of extensions? Um, if it's if it's not kind of blocking them, is there anything they could be doing on site to try and uh, to try and get people to to, to either not use them or, or to head them off a bit?
1: You know, I think that the tactics that I have seen um, are they either kind of like go into their shell and have no discount strategies, or uh, they go in and have a you know very small discount strategy because they're just, they're fearful that these codes uh, are going to get leaked um, and they get leaked very quickly. All, I don't know if you know how the, the user experience works, but basically if I have honey on my computer and you sent me a legitimate promo code for me to use, and I type that promo code in, the first thing that honey does is it's, it scrapes that code out. So that's how they kind of get leaked. Um, it's real honey users that are actually using legitimate codes and they kind of get like jammed into the, into the honey uh, database. So, but things like, I think really, you know, if you were to ask me that same question on the malvertising side of my business, like what can people do? Well, you know, like there's a whole bunch of things you can do and you can, you can, you can try and go hand to hand combat and you can, you know, try and work with fewer partners or you can try and, you know, do this or do that. But at the end of the day, you're kind of bringing a knife to a gunfight. Like, I think, I think at the end of the day, like technology wins, right? Right now, technology is winning for consumers to get bigger discounts than they deserve. I think the only real way to combat it is with technology. Otherwise, you know, you're kind of, you know, trying to plug holes and it it just, it's not going to work. And by the way, it's like whack-a-mole. You're going to, you'll be able to stop it in one place, but it's going to pop up somewhere else, and you know we've had folks on the malvertising side say like, "Hey, listen, I'll just hire an engineer and and we'll we'll he'll try and tackle it or she'll try and tackle it," and lo and behold, the people that you're trying to compete with are way better staffed than you are. So when I think about what we do, like this is our sole focus. We live and breathe this every day. By the way, Honey and WikiBuy, I mean these guys are going to be just like the bad actors in the malvertising space where they're going to change their technology. They're going to change their tactics. They're going to do whatever they can to actually get around our defenses. So this is a living, breathing problem that I think you really need to bring technology to and not try and, you know, stop it. Because the reality is, is like, you know, talk to a merchant this morning and they're like, yeah, you know, like we just stopped doing discounts. I'm like, well, how's that yeah. going? Right. Like, I don't know if that's like, that's the like, right long-term strategy. It might be for them and their brand. Um, but again, you're trying to drive sales. Like how do you inspire people to come to your website? Like yeah. in, in, in a one-to-one fashion versus then paying for everybody else who came to your website. That's the real problem you're trying to solve.
0: Yeah. I, th- I think one, I guess one uh, solution could be using unique codes and one use codes. Um, but then obviously you have to generate them per customer at the, it's the not right that time s- for that customer.
1: It's not that scalable uh, from what I understand. And um yeah. I mean, like that is a, a, a possible solution, but you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, how do you use a single use code on a podcast? How do you use a single yeah. use code on a one to many marketing channel? It's really hard.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. You it's know, a difficult one, isn't it? How
1: do you use an Instagrammer with a single use code, right? Like, uh, you know, the first one that responds and uses this code, like then, then it, you create this terrible customer experience. One of the things that yeah. we actually had with one of our merchants, like, you know, they, they're an interior, uh, like they sell interiors. They sell drapes and carpets and all that sort of stuff. And uh, they were working uh, with uh, interior designers and giving them exclusive codes so that they could come and get 50% off. Well, guess what? Honey got a hold of those coupons. And, uh, and lo and behold, uh, you know, they've got users, you know, just a general user. All of their orders on a certain given weekend are like now 50% off. They actually had to cancel sales reach out to the customers and say like unfortunately that coupon was not intended for you so they didn't go with the single use strategy shame on them but you know i think there's a you know it's 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 a really hard problem to solve for and i think trying to do it without technology is you know you're just you're going to be chasing your tail
0: yeah and especially third party technology you know yep. it's, if you guy if you guys are working on this on this tool and you you've got a team dedicated to constantly improving it and and analyzing what honey's doing and trying to to kind of beat what they're doing that's going to be so much more effective and cost effective uh, for a business rather than trying to to do it themselves because i i I agree with you whatever tactics they take whether it's uh if it's removed discounting then that causes its own problems if they go to like unique codes that obviously has its own problems and if they try to technically beat honey yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? Hire a, hire a team of developers to yeah. try and do that? It's it's not going to happen. So yeah, yeah I think you're right. Third-party third party tools.
1: Yeah. I it mean, stick to your sense. knitting. I, I tell people like, listen, there's a lot of things that we're really good at and there's things that we're not good at. And we partner for those things. Like we find the the experts who, you know, have, you know, uh, you know 50 people that are solving that problem versus, you know, trying to like Ham and egg it, and you know hire a body or two bodies to try and solve it. And especially when it's not like a living, breathing problem, cybersecurity, which is the industry that we're in, is a living, breathing problem. It's not the traditional like product development where you can build a product and then move on to the next problem that you want to go solve. The problem is constantly changing, and so that's why it requires. It's like it's resource intensive, um, but you also need to remember that the bad guys that you're competing with they're not like waiting for like, they're like, they're continually innovating. So you've got to be continually innovating as well.
0: Yep. And and I guess on that note, what are are the big trends that will come up in, I guess, not, not trying to block codes or or how honey will develop, but more in like how businesses will use discounts and coupons um, and and how customers react to them. Cause I, I know I push for, a lot more kind of brand and customer experience focus. So mm-hmm. I try to move away from discounts and coupon codes. Do you think that's a, a possibility and option to try and actually kind of move all, almost completely move away from discounting and, and coupons and things, except for maybe in loyalty programs and referrals?
1: Yeah. Um, I, th- I think everyone's or, or is going is s- to
0: more of attack the technology and, and go down that route.
1: Well, I think the, you know, listen, uh, dry, you know, doing sales to drive traffic. It's as like, Oh, you know, old as the day is long. Right. Like, the, the 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 a discounting strategy to drive people to you know execute on a behavior like it's been happening since the dawn of time. So I don't think people are going to necessarily like completely move away from it. I do think marketers are getting smarter. I think there there are more tools for them to be able to manage these things. There are more tools for them to be able to get smarter on the data you know, like a uh, old school bricks and mortar retailer who has a website presence here in the I do S I don't, I don't think you guys have them over there, but bed, bath and beyond. If you ever heard of these guys, like
0: I have heard of them. I don't think we have them.
1: Um, so they're notorious for having a 20% off coupon, meaning like they they're everywhere. They're like in the newspaper and they're in your mailers and they like, they, they, you know, they're all over the place. So it's kind of like, it's almost known that Like at any given time, you can always get 20% off anything at Bed, Bath & Beyond. Well, they just announced that they're actually like going to move away from that. I don't think it means that they're going to move away from discounting. I think it means they're going to be more strategic such that like every single person on the planet doesn't automatically, you know, think that they're going to get 20% off every single order. So I think you're going to see people get smarter about it. I do think, you know, I talked a little bit about, you know, Honey being acquired by PayPal and, and Wikibuy being acquired by uh, capital one. I, I think there's a bit of an arms race going on here. And, and these guys are all very well-funded. So, you know, the fact that Wikibuy is running TV commercials with Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson, like they're, they're not resting in their law. Like they are driving new users. They are spending a boatload of money on primetime television. You know how expensive that is. So, I think that the problem of Honey and Wikibuy and these these automated extensions, like it's only going to become more acute. And so I think the necessity to really get serious about your discounting strategies and make sure that you have protection, I think like will likely like continue to hit a fever pitch as we go through 21. And you talk I and mean, we talk about like the e-commerce innovations in the last 12 months that we've basically seen 10 years of adoption in the last 12 months because of COVID. Like, I think it's just like, everything is on hyperdrive; Everything's hyper growth. You, you kind of made a comment, I think a little bit earlier about like, you know, when it's, when it's raining money, people don't necessarily like pay attention, right? It's like, it's easier to not have to focus on these problems when, when there's so much money, when there's so much growth. And I think that might've been, Twenty twenty, like I think many merchants grew exponentially in twenty twenty, all because of of COVID and, and the, the you know the pandemic. And twenty one is going to be one of those years where I think you know let's figure out efficiency, like let's figure out how we make more money.
0: Yeah, definitely. I do think there's I I've definitely seen a big shift towards um, customer experience, uh, like customer engagement. So basically, like focusing on branding and values on websites and actually making sure customers understand the business values and being genuine about it. And also customer value optimization, which is something that I, I do, Mm -hmm. um, I I consult on. Um, But yeah, I think there's been such a big shift in the last 12 months and and growth and development that uh, yeah, hopefully we'll we'll just see more on uh, that kind of customer value piece and, and, People not wanting to just discount, discount, discount to and drive acquisition, but yep. focusing on more of that valuable acquisition. You got it. Have you got anything else? Any other points you'd want to make about kind of voucher fraud before I move on?
1: No, you know, I, I think uh, you know my, my my feedback to the audience, if you know, if they have got concerns or they really just want to learn more, it's like we, we give everybody a free trial, so you're going to get to trial out the software and understand what your problems are. Uh, you know what the top codes are that are being um, you know, redeemed or attempted to be redeemed, what the extensions are that are on your users, like in your shoppers. So we're going to try and give you a really good you know, knowledge base of what's happening on your website um, and, and obviously hopefully save you a bunch of money in, in, in the meantime. So my sense is like you should you know, hopefully do a bunch of these you know, testing out of new software and, and really learn about that customer experience and that customer behavior so that you can make you know, very well-informed marketing decisions.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I think I think customer experience is really important. You don't want to you don't want to mess up the customer experience by trying to block these things, but equally you don't want to lose that revenue. So um, it's it's definitely worth looking into, and yeah, test out solutions, find the right one. Um, apart from obviously voucher fraud and abuse, do you have any pet peeves in marketing?
1: I mean, as a consumer, yeah. Well, I would say like obviously, like I, I mean, to me, I, I like efficiency. I am um, one of those buyers who like I. I'm a, you know, very spur of the moment. I like, I search and buy in the same transaction. I'm not one of those guys that puts things in carts and then comes back two days later to buy. The, uh, for me, a frustrating thing is like when I get retargeted after I've already bought it. Yep. And I see it all the time, right? And so, you know, I, I think there's probably a lot of uh, things that we can do to improve that. That's just poor behavior,
0: isn't it? Like poor But
1: poor don't you practice. see it every day? I see it every day.
0: I, I don't think I see it every day, but I've, I've definitely seen it where I've bought something I've literally, I've gone through the checkout to the confirmation page. I'm now in that customer database and I'll get retargeted. That's just poor marketing.
1: Well, and by the way, it's probably hard. I mean, it's probably hard. I don't know. Like I, like I'm not a, I'm not in the, 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 you know, the retargeting or remarketing space, but, um, but yeah, I think like that to me is like, it kind of looks a little, uh, Backwards, right? The way things you, know, you should you should be marketing to me to drive the sale, not marketing me after I've already purchased. So that that's yeah. I think uh, the inefficiency around that. I think that kind of uh, frustrates me a little bit. But no, I'm a pretty easygoing guy.
0: Well, you know? I, I had one uh, kind of the opposite of that uh, of that actually recently. I didn't buy a product, and uh, I received an email ask- from the other day asking me to review my purchase.
1: Oh wow! Um, which
0: is that's- really interesting. It, a very it was a, the weirdest purchase experience i think i've ever had i yeah. i won't say the brand but it's a very big computer brand yeah um i bought a monitor from their website the money left my account i saw the notification on my phone uh i think i got an order confirmation email you know you know it looked like i had made a purchase a week or so later i got a refund and so i got in touch with them and i said i've got this refund but my order status is still confirmed what's what's going on Mm-hmm. And the person, the the um, customer support agent said, "Oh, we like we take we take the purchase on dispatch or delivery." I can't remember, mm-hmm. um, which kind of raises questions over why I was charged in the first place if that's their policy. Um, but it, there was a good like three weeks until they were going to be dispatching the product because uh, stock issues, I guess. Um, but I also happened to notice that the product was thirty pounds cheaper at that wow. point. Wow. So, I said to them, well, oh, okay, so do I do I get charged the price it's going to be on dispatch or do I get charged the price that I paid? And they said, it's the, the price that I paid. So I thought, well, I've got that money back. It's already refunded to my account, so I'm just going to cancel my order. I've got two weeks until you dispatch it anyway, so I'm going to go look for the product elsewhere. Yeah, um, And I ended up buying something, a, a different product, a better one, actually, uh, for cheaper um because because they just i, I don't even understand how they messed that up um but yeah then shortly after christmas got an email asking me to review my purchase which oh, obviously never oh. never happened because yeah i was just so so strange there stuff like go. that really bothers me but i think it bothers me as a marketer well yes and, and as a consumer but just as, as as a marketer who deals with customer experience and, and customer value optimization they had a great opportunity to just say Oh yeah you you'll get the price on dispatch or whatever or or I can apply that discount for you but no uh, they just lost the lost the purchase instead and finally do you, have you got a particular area of marketing that you think is quite underrated
1: at the moment i mean i always feel that that word of mouth is probably the most underrated marketing channel i think a lot of folks think that you can maybe have a mediocre product and and you can buy ads and and you know Drive growth that way, but we've actually been quite successful in, in I think, putting a ton of focus on building the the best product that our customers will tell their friends about. Um, you know, we've been around for three years. We just hired uh, um, a marketing leader uh, three months ago, so all of our growth has come through word of mouth. And uh, you know, so I think you know, word of mouth to me is like it's the cheapest. Um, obviously you're investing in your product so that's expensive but um there's no better way to grow your business than through through word of mouth I think yeah it's absolutely under, i think it's underappreciated
0: it's, yeah super important and actually you know while you were talking i was thinking about it i've i i know in, in startups it does get mentioned in job specs you know you are expected to increase word of mouth but that's a very generic just you know it's a job spec thing there's I can't think of anyone in any companies I've been in who has been responsible for building word of mouth yep. and and focusing on, and I know it's quite a, obviously quite a difficult thing, but there's no one who's thinking on on these channels or with this experience, like how can we leverage this to try and get people to talk about us and, and in a way which the customer will actually want to do it. Normally it's just, here's a referral scheme, refer your friends to get some credit or please just share this on, share your purchase on social media, which no one really wants to do. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. We've really focused on product and we focused on measuring net promoter score. Our net net promoter score is like 85. Um, So, you know, that means that, you know, it's world-class people, like your customers are willing to tell their friends, like how much they love your products. And to me, that's the most valuable marketing we can have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've had people referred to me and it's always, but it's an easier sales process um, and I'm far more likely to turn into clients. You got if it. someone has sent them my way. Um, even with no interaction at all. Um and actually even just uh, from a B2B point of view, like content marketing. You know, I, I had someone um connected with me the other connected with me on LinkedIn the other day, just sent me a message saying, Can we chat? And it's just because they'd seen my content out there. So I guess that's, that's content marketing, but it would have probably come about because someone liked my post or commented on my post. Yep. Very so cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome stuff. Uh, is there anything else you want to add?
1: Or no, you know, how, how
0: do people get in touch? How do people find out more about what you do and,
1: and test well, you can out? Yeah, you can find us at, at clean.io um, or, uh, you know, if you're really interested in the product, it's blockcouponextensions.com. Um, but you can get there through clean.io. Uh, listen, if you want to connect with me personally and and professionally, uh, LinkedIn, find me on there. Um, Matt Gillis. Uh, and then, uh, if you want to send me an email, Matt at clean.io. So happy to help your users and, uh, you know, no high pressure sales more like let's, let's go solve a big problem together.
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Take care, bud while
0: there is some benefit to these extensions you might be acquiring more new customers for example there are huge downsides to letting these extensions roam free your margins get hit as you know even loyal customers who love your products will still get these discounts uh, possibly alongside any loyalty program discounts you're you're giving as well and your your tracking can end up all over the place you know any discount code based tracking you do is, is completely unreliable as you've got no idea whether an influencer or a podcast is actually generating that sale or if someone has just hit apply codes on, on honey, for example. If you are worried about this, do reach out to matt at clean.io and have a chat. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please do remember to rate it on iTunes. It's super useful for me and I love seeing the reviews there. As usual, any comments or questions, just fire them over to click.com. Next up, I've got Sarah Curran from Truefit. And we're gonna be talking about proper personalization and giving customers a really fantastic and unique online experience. But until then, keep those customers clicking.